This is the Dairy Brothers Tribecast, a podcast for diehard Cleveland Indians fans. Presented to you by WaitingForNextYear.com. Now, here are the hosts, Matt and Todd Derry. Dairy Brothers Tribecast is back. First day of spring training. Full squad reporting on this Monday, February 22nd. Welcome in, everybody. On WaitingForNextYear.com, Matt and Todd with you. Brought to you by the Center for Advanced Dentistry, Dr. Ben Hornstein, and also BreakingT.com slash Dairy Best T-shirts for all your teams that are out there. Todd, what a day. Uh, chock full of stuff going on. Even your boy, Mike DeWine, speaking about fans in the stands. Oh, I should. Just, plus, you were on the, your tweet was read on the Howard Stern Show today. You're a celebrity. Listen, you didn't name me, but like, but but it was my tweet, and I was uh, I was very happy. If, if Dad and Les were only alive to hear it, they would have been very excited. That's all I could think of when that happened. So, no, it's all good. Hey, uh, you know what else today is? What's that? It's the two-year anniversary of our first podcast. Is it really? It is. Went through my time hop. Just, I, I didn't want. I wanted to break that news to you. I didn't want. I wanted it to be fresh in the air. But yeah, two years ago today. So is when we did our first uh, Dairy Brothers Tribecast. So this is this is uh, our third season covering Indians baseball. I mean, I've covered Indians baseball for years for waiting for next year. But uh, yeah. Three, this will be our third season, man. Maybe one of these days we'll actually win a playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I think it was, uh, was a day lost soul that said three is a magic number? That's right. That's right. I can't find any of their music on Spotify or Apple or, or uh, whatever they call it, Apple Music. Really? Oh, you don't know about that? I don't. They have this, it's a real, if you Google it, there's a story. Basically, their old record company, Tommy Boy Records, owns like their whole catalog and they refuse to give in to whatever demands Tommy boy wants. Uh, so Tommy boy won't release their music on any streaming platform. So like their music, the only, if I could ever, if I ever want to listen to their music, I got to go CDs, the CDs that I have. That's insane. And you'll never hear them on. They're not on Sirius. You never hear them anywhere. And they're not on YouTube. Mm-mm. Wow, looks great. You can find them. It, you can. It's like they put out like one or two albums in the last couple of years, and and you can listen to those. But like, you can't listen to three, uh, you know, three feet nine rising or De La Soul is dead or Balloon Mind State. They're three best albums. You can't listen to them. That's really I'm a big fan of uh, De La Soul is dead. Who's that? Brian J. Bejgevski, if memory serves. <laughs> <laughs> he liked uh, he liked nice and smooth. Sometimes I rhyme slow. <laughs> we used to uh, we used to do the running we used to do the running man in Flint Hall room two forty five me Beach and uh, J B Reef Snyder the Beast all right that's right in honor of J B this uh, Dairy Brothers Tribecast tonight is the Syracuse Duke pregame show huge game tonight <laughs> at Cameron it's Bubble Mania once again for uh, the the uh, the Syracuse uh, fighting Bayheims always on the bubble now Duke on the bubble huge game tonight. I uh, got home last night uh, on a Sunday evening, and I told the wife, uh, tomorrow night we have plans. She's like, what's that? I said, 7 o'clock. She's like, oh, God. I go, yep, you're watching Syracuse Duke with me. So last time she watched Syracuse with me was the Virginia game, and that didn't go well. So I'm very excited. We'll see We'll see where this goes. Hopefully hopefully, Buddy Beheim can play his uh, after his career high last game, can repeat that and uh, 
take down that fraud, Coach K. Uh, it would be nice. It certainly would be nice. Um, all right, so the Indians uh, full squad reported. Uh, executive producer Jeremy has already uh, texted us that he he thinks Fran Mill Reyes looks overweight. Uh, based on one one uh, uh, video <laughs> off of Tom Withers' Twitter. Uh, shout out to T. Withers. I don't know him per se, but uh, he seems to be a nice man. Um, and so we've got so much to touch on. You know, let me ask you this, though. The, the governor did come out today and say that 30% of these uh, uh, stadiums, Reds, Indians, all these in Ohio, could be, you know, of capacity, you know, 30% capacity. Are you ready to go to games? Are you not going? What's your what's your what is your take on this right now? So I got an email as a season ticket holder. Uh, I got an email, and basically what the gist of it was: they're waiting for approval from state and local health officials, uh, but they're they're hopeful that they can host fans. And it says that our plan will be implement will implement new ballpark health and safety protocols and is being formulated in our partnership with the Cleveland Clinic and Major League Baseball. Ticket availability will be determined on a monthly basis starting with April home games. You're receiving this email. Okay, so basically the long and the short of it is tickets are going to be sold in pod-style seating to ensure social distancing between eligible groups when fans are seated. Pods will be seated in either quantities of two or four. I have two tickets, so this will be fine for me. Now, Here's the thing for me, and I'm going to be transparent here, okay? I'm not, I don't have a, a, a vaccine yet, and I'm hoping that one of these days I'll find out when and where I can get it. Once I get vaccinated, I'm good. But I just don't see myself sitting in April Cleveland weather with no vaccine outside watching an Indians game. I, I just don't see myself doing it. It sounds to me from this email that they're going to kind of take it on a month-by-month basis. That's what I would imagine. So let's say, hypothetically, I at the at the end of April, early May, or let, let's just say during the month of April, I know that during in May I'm going to get my uh, um, uh, vac- vaccine. I'll go in May. The weather will be better and I'll be vaccinated. But until I'm vaccinated, I don't see myself going. But again, I'm not going to... You'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll you know who will be going? Mike Stern. No, hold on. You'll you'll be you'll be at the home opener. You'll be at the home opener. I'm not going to say that I won't be at the yeah. home. You'll opener you'll be there. You will not- be there. <laughs> you'll be there. Cut the bullshit. You will be there. It's locked in. I can hear it in your voice. No one knows you better than me. You'll be there. Do I want to be there? Absolutely, I do. But I don't. The rest of April. You also got to remember this. I have to either opt if, if, if the way this looks. I have to opt in. And the way our group works is it's essentially me and four. I have half of the season. No names, please. Guys, no names, please. And the other guys have 10 each. Now, two of them, I am sure, have already been vaccinated. Um, I don't know about the other. Actually, one, two, three of them have been vaccinated. I don't know about the fourth. But it's possible that he has been. If they all say we're doing it, then I'm in. You got to also remember that money is paid. I paid that money's been gone for two years because I paid for the season, or we paid for the season during the twenty nine in July of twenty nineteen is when I put down my original down uh, the down payment, and we were done paying by September. Uh, uh, I think September or November, whatever it was, I'm all paid. So I don't know. I mean, I. If the group says we're in, then we're in, and you may see me at home over. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, 
Let's get brutal Stephanie's take on Twitter. She seems riled up. Well, hey, the brutal Stephanie and Butcher, my two uh, fellow season ticket holders, and I were having a conversation about it uh, as well. And everyone seems to be on board with the month, month to month opt out situation. So hopefully that's what that's what's going to happen. But uh, to be honest with you, um, I, I, it's it's a step forward. But I, I, let, let's start talking about the play on the field. Yes, and the players. I'm excited. What's going down? We were, we, we 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 did big uh, prep today and had heavy topics. No, no, no. So you you did prep. Fit them all in. You did prep. I had a busy morning uh, in the uh, in the uh, the nine at the nine to five gig. So I was I was uh, predisposed when I got looked at my phone. I had forty one texts, including about a handful from uh, you and Jeremy with all these topics. So shout out to you guys. And I had to uh, you know we had to, we had to get the topics going. I don't blame you. I mean, there's so, dive right in. There's so much to talk about. I, I do want to say this. Um, uh, I spent the weekend listening to some other Indians podcasts. Uh, the Selby is Godcast. I listen to everyone. Zach knows that. Everybody else's pod. So that no, no, I want to make a point. I'm making a point. <laughs> is that Selby is Godcast. They do a great job. I love you know. I love Zach. I know TJ a little bit, but those guys do a great job. And I always like their random Indian. I did listen to the Locked On Indians podcast with our buddy Jeff Ellis. Um, you know, Jeff. Jeff just loves the draft too much. It's way too draft geeky for me. I also caught the Cleveland.com podcast with the uh, venerable Paul Hoynes and uh, Joe Noga. Is that his last name? Yes. And uh, those guys need to pick up their energy a bit. Um, what about what about Al and Nico Noga? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Were they linebackers? <laughs> so, but I think we do a great show. And I think if Indians fans want opinions and we're going to have good guests this year, and, uh, and then this is where you got to go is, is the uh, Dairy Brothers Tribecast. But I love the fact that I can – there's other content out there and in competition with us, and it's fun. Um, I, I, you know, where do we start, Todd? I mean, I, I, I feel good about this team. I mean, I feel good about the team. More on our list. <laughs> I mean, you have bullpen additions uh, at the top of your list. I would like to make a proclamation right off the top, and that is the following. Uh, after reading many of an article and listening to Brian Shaw speak, about his uh, trials and tribulations over the last couple of years, both in Colorado and then out in Seattle with their racist and bigoted president, Kevin Mather, who still resigned, by the oh, way. Oh, he did? Okay. I didn't ref- I was on another call before this, so thank goodness he's gone. But I am proclaiming right here, right now, on February 22nd, <laughs> Brian Shaw's not going to be on this team. You know he is. I never thought in a million years, because Jeremy was freaking out, I think Shaw's going to make the team. When that when 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 he signed and we were texting about it, you and I both were like, "No chance." They're just doing him a favor. Right, no chance. This is a flyer. It, it's basically him auditioning for, you know, the the rest of the teams in the league, and there's no way he's going to make it. But but the, the the fact remains that you first of all, you're so right. I have read probably three articles about Brian Shaw and him. Oh, he's found something, and he worked with uh, what was the guy's name? Weiner. Uh, yeah, uh, I know it's not Jack. It's not Jeff. Not Jeff Weiner. That Jack guy. Weiner. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <Okay>. <laughs> well, whatever he worked. <laughs> that's inside. Sorry, that's camp. Uh, that's Camp Robin Hood inside uh, action right there. Anyways, he worked. He, he worked with this guy in Seattle, and they think they found. Right, something. he's all right. He's a former Indian employee. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes, and oh, and now he, you know, he, he's he's found a tweak, and oh, he's going to be so much better in spring training. And Tito, and and his quote was, "Tito in the front office knows I'm always terrible in spring training, and everyone's going to be shocked to see how good I am in spring training." I also saw that basically he was going to sign with another team until Tito said, "Don't sign with another right, team." Right. Right. Yeah. We want you, and then he reached out to Antonetti. I guess Antonetti and Chernoff had reached out to Shaw in January. Didn't, hadn't reached out to him since, and he was about to sign elsewhere. And Tito said, "Don't sign elsewhere," you know. And then it sounds to me like they convinced him to come here. I mean, it may, listen, it makes sense. There's a lot of question marks in the Indians bullpen. I mean, if you if you go through right now, I think we can guarantee that there's five locks. Five locks. Five locks are Class A, Karen Jack, uh, uh, um, uh, Nick Whitgren. Uncle Phil, um, Uncle Phil Maton, and who's Oliver there? Perez, and uh, uh, yeah, but he's a he's not he's not a lock. I mean, but I think he'll I think he'll be on the team. We, I think we'll be, he'll be unless he's so bad in Arizona, he's going to be on the team. I mean, I, I I tend to agree with you on that. Who's but, our manager? You got to remember who our manager is. He loves I, veterans. Are you, first of all, I, nobody was more thrilled that Oliver Perez is back for year four. He's he's essentially the left-handed version of Dan Otero. They you know, took that waiver claim on him and, and hoped it would work, and it has, and now he's back for year four. Now let's hope that year four of Oliver Perez is uh, better than year four of Dan Otero, who was a train wreck on his last year as an Indian. But, yeah, I, I would say that I would agree with that. But that's my point, is that there's all these open spots, so why wouldn't Brian Shaw try to come in here and make it? I, I, I think you've got some interesting – you know, the, here's the thing. They have a lot of these young – bullpen arms that are on the come, but they're probably going to keep them down. So, you know, you're looking at Heath, so they, they, they signed Heath Hembry, uh, former Red Sox, to a minor league deal who, you know, worked with uh, um, with uh, Carl Willis, um, Oliver Perez, Brian Shaw, DJ Johnson, who I had never heard of, and apparently he's spent some time in the major. Hey, you ever heard of the guy? I had- Didn't he go to, is that the guy that went to Japan? Yeah, and he pitched for the Rockies for a little bit. And then the other guy that I think is most interesting is Anthony Goes. And uh, you can speak to him because he's a former player on the unnamed team. He's kind of a jerk. That's yeah, what I that's what I've heard. Throw 100 miles per hour. I don't know if he's going to make it. I, I don't I know he throws hard from the left side, but his he's not I don't know. I don't know if he's going to start the year with the Indians. I think they want him to start in the minors and I'm not. I. I mean, I think Kyle Nelson's got a better chance than Anthony Ghost, to be honest. You also have to remember that you know the Trevor, Stephen or Stefan. I still don't. I haven't heard anybody say his name yet from the team, so I don't know how to pronounce his name. But is a Rule Five guy they got from the Yankees who was a starter and now slots into a bullpen slot. So you know, for those that don't understand the Rule Five draft, if you take someone in the major league. Uh, round of the Rule 5 draft, he either has to make the 25-man roster and stay the entire season, or he has to be returned to the Yankees, or offered to return to the Yankees for, I think it's $25,000. And if the Yankees don't want him, then we can, you know, send him to the minors. But you got so so he's he's also a lock for the most, well, not a lock, I guess they could get rid of him, but he's essentially treated as a lock. And then you got the young guys. You got Cam Hill, who we saw last year, who at times looked good and at times looked overwhelmed. Kyle Nelson, who you spoke to, who made a uh, one appearance last year and got bombed, but he's 
a college teammate of Shane Bieber worked out all uh, offseason with Shane Bieber, and I know the Indians like a lot. And then your boy Nick Sandlin, the side armor, yeah, who who they really seem to be high on. So I like that they're gathering up all of these pieces. I just am concerned that they're going to keep a bunch of the Heath Hembry type, Brian Shaw type around, and we're going to see them fail before they go to the young guys from a you know the old service time situation that, that, I mean that that's what I think is going to happen I mean I, I can't predict the entire pen until we see a little bit of spring training there's going to be an injury or two knock on wood that there isn't but um, but I, I just I have this weird feeling based on you're right reading what I read seeing the quotes and Brian Shaw's velocity all of a sudden is back and look he, he pitched you know he pitched in Colorado and going out there and how things change with the altitude and everything else he also wasn't in great shape you know, you just you signed a three-year, twenty-seven million-dollar deal. You get paid. That was the big, the big contract for Shaw. Of course, your game's going to get going to go down a notch. That's how it works. So now he's, you know, he's trying to he's pitching for his career, and I just have this weird feeling he's going to make it. Well, they'll give him every chance they they can because you know Tito loves him, and you know, listen, I know he's not popular here, which. Is stupid. I still, to me, I, I agree. Like, okay, did he give up a, the game-winning hit in Game Seven of the World Series? Yes, but do we have to? There's no way the Indians get to that World Series without him. What about how nails he was in Game Five in in uh, of the Blue Jays series in the AL, ALCS? I mean, I, I could talk about I mean, the guy. You know, they say he had a rubber arm. He led the league for five consecutive years in in appearances. He had some really, really good years for the Indians, and I will not apologize for saying that he was very good. I know, you know, my, my uh, the the, the uh, analytics crowd doesn't love him, and and he would, will tell me that he was league average for those five years, but. I don't know. I, 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 I thought he did a really good job. He gave us everything he could for five years, and I think he was treated like shit, and he kept his mouth shut during that time. So I, I am I rooting for him to do well? Absolutely. I don't want him on this team, but listen, if he pitches really well this spring and all of a sudden looks great, I just want the team to win. So if he's the best guy, let's go with it. I just love when he basically told Brad Osmus to F off. That was great. Remember that in Detroit? The ring. It was the ring. Oh, it was his ring. He had the rubber he had the rubber ring on and Osmus was telling him to take it off. That was great. Osmus. That friggin' clown. <laughs> oh man. So we got I mean, there's a lot of options certainly with the uh with the bullpen, that is for sure. And you know, you kind of pointed out uh on the prep sheet here. So what do you do then at the back end of the rotation? And with guys like Logan Allen, you know, I, I've, I'm hearing Logan Allen's lost all this weight. He's in great shape. I still think Cal Quantrill's going to be the fifth starter. And, you know, Logan Allen, every time I watched him pitch last year, I thought he got lit up. He didn't have – he was throwing BP. So I, it remains to be seen if he's ready to, to be pitching in the major leagues, in my opinion. He hasn't impressed me at all either so far. I mean, I know he came, he came in. He was a top 100 prospect. At one point, he's still, you know, I think he's 25. He's an intriguing piece, and you would hope that now he's in his third season. He came with, uh, he came with Brad Hand, same trade. No, he was no Logan Allen was in the Bauer. Logan Logan Allen was in the Bauer trade, I believe. The, I was going to say it's hard to remember because like the only team the Indians trade with is the Padres. So, um, so he's now 
entering his essentially, you know, third season with the Indians. Basically, I mean, you know, during he came in 2019. So you would think that the staff and uh, Ruben Niebla and his crew and Carl Willis and um, the rest of the pitching team they they have seen enough to know about him. Um, I don't know how Cal Quantrill's not going to be the guy. You know, he's got the pedigree. He looked really good at the end of last year. And granted, it was a um, small sample size, but I thought he looked really good. And I'm sure that they've all worked hard in the offseason. And I don't know how you're going to send Quantrill out uh, just with, with the ability he has. But what you're going to need is, first of all, Adam Pleckel's going to make the team. I, I know no one wants him on the team, but he's going to make the team for several reasons. You're going to need someone. We don't know. Here's here, here's another thing that is nobody talks about other than, oh, the Indians have a you know, depth of the rotation, and they got all these young guys. And da-da. We don't know what a 200-inning, three, uh, a 30-season start is going to look like from Aaron Savali and from Tristan, Mc, Tristan McKenzie and Cal Quantrill. Tristan McKenzie basically pitched in – one game leading up to last season when they brought him up, what do you make one start in two seasons? Yeah, he's not, and he's still so skinny. We have no idea if he's. They're going to be. They're going to baby him. He, there's going to be some starts this year where you watch uh, sticks Tristan McKenzie pitch, and the, and Tito's going to. It, it might not be Tito because he's in a walking boot. It might be Carl Willis comes to take him out. You're going to go. Wait a minute, he's only throwing seventy pitches. What is this? They are going to baby him big time. And make sure that his arm, his arm does not get fall off. Skipped quite a bit too, because you know there's going to be so and so. You know, oh, the Indians had a positive test for COVID. They, they're, they're, uh, the game's canceled. That's going to happen. So I think the reconfiguring of the rotation is going to happen a ton. And the guy who's going to get skipped the most is McKenzie, because number one is injury history. Number two, he's so thin. And number three, he just hasn't built himself up yet into a – you remember just at, when he first came up last year, he was throwing 95, 96, and then by October, he was throwing 90. And they didn't start him during that last week, essentially, to let him kind of reload for, for, for October. But going back to Logan Allen, I think Logan Allen starts in AAA. I think Scott Moss starts in AAA. Adam Plutko will be the long swing man because – like you said, there's going to be games where they're going to need him mopping up. And he's out of options, Plutko. Great in the clubhouse. Whether or not anyone wants to believe this, he is a big-time leader of the team. No question. No question. He's slot number 25 in the pecking order. He's a leader, yeah, and that's you, an you, important thing. you got to have some veteran leadership. Uh, all these guys that have— sure. Say it again. Especially this year. You're yeah. losing two of your biggest leaders on the team, Carrasco, and— and Lindor. That's right. Frankie already popping off today to the New York media about it. he doesn't like analytics. See that? Oh yeah. I didn't see that. Frankie also Frankie also not signing long term with the Mets yet. I thought I thought the New York media and MLB media is like, oh yeah, he's gonna sign with the Mets. It's a done deal. Don't be so sure. I still don't know. Well, I know we're going on a side tangent here, but if you're Frankie and you, and there's no idea what's going to happen after the season, don't you have to cash in now? Because for all you know, the new collective bargaining agreement is going to go the way of the NBA, where it's the the maximum years you can get is four or five. You know, you, we don't know that. If I'm him, I'm taking the most possible money in the most possible years right now. 
I have to do it. And I still don't know, and God bless the media, not a single person has talked about his engagement and the birth of his child. You and I are the only people who have ever had this conversation. And you can't tell me it didn't have an effect on his play last year. Well, that's what I'm saying, and that's why I think that, I, you know, we talked about this on one of the previous pods, but, you know, Andre not had, had said when, when, when he gets traded, there's going to be things that come out that, you know, you're going to understand more. I got to believe that's it. But, I mean, I'm not speaking out of school here. His his fiance is is on an open Instagram page with photos of the three of them, the, uh, you know, holding the ba- you know, the two of them holding the baby. So it's out there. So I'm not. You know, I'm not speaking out of school here, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just surprised it never came to light. And you know, God, God bless everyone for keeping it for keeping it uh, on the down low, if that's what he wanted. Well, I mean, I definitely think that uh, that you know, a lot of times there is a lot of personal things that are going on with players, managers, coaches, whatever it is, and there's distractions. And he was not the same guy the last year and a half, um, so maybe that played uh, played a role in it. All right. Speaking of speaking of which. Let's talk about Tito and his health. Um, yes. Many articles this week that discussed the multiple surgeries, oh. uh, blood clots, uh, uh, um, gout. He's he, gout in his toe. He had to have a part of his bone sawed off of his big toe. Uh, just, I, you know, you thought, I would think Tito's only 62 years old. The way that, he has been in the sport for as long as he's been. You would think that, like, he's a 75-year-old man the way they right, talk right, about Right, right, right. Oh, I know. But, but my, my, my question to you is, how many more? How much longer do you think he's going to go? And do you think he'll make it through this season without any some sort of he has to sit sit out like he did for a little bit last year and Sandy will have to take over the reins? Or maybe, I, I maybe think, it's a weekend or whatever. Yeah, I think there will be, like, two to three series that he'll miss this year for something, whether it's – under the weather, whether it's pain, but I think he'll make it through the season. I think he loves this organization. He loves who he works for. Sure, they have differing opinions on things. You know, the talk always is is that you know Chernanetti, those two want younger guys playing, and Tito wants always wants to play vets. And there's always that debate. Um, I think Tito wanted Bauer the hell out of there a lot earlier than they actually did it. Um, but I think I think he'll make it through the year. I think he loves what he's doing. Uh, obviously, he lives in Arizona. He's right by the facility, so for months like February and March, it's perfect for him. Um, and he's, I think, sitting out last year, really all of last year, um, reinvigorated him. But the fact that he can't go out there and maybe make pitching changes because he's going to be in a walking boot, that, that will certainly be a story throughout the year. It's crazy. He, he, it, I'm just looking at it now. It said, so last year, he only managed in 14 games. He had nine surgeries during the course of the season. And he needed three surgeries in four days because of the blood clots. And then in November is when his foot started hurting and he was treated for gout. And, and you know, things got so bad to the point that now he's, you know, this, there's a potential staph infection. That's And that's why he's in the walking boot and uh, or actually, now he's in a wheelchair. He'll be in a walking boot. So, listen, I I, I love I I love Tito. I know that that a lot of there's uh, again there's a large section which I will never understand of people that want a younger and more forward thinking analytic manager 
but I just come back to the fact that there is nobody better in that room from a personal man-to-man standpoint than than Terry Francona. I just I don't know that if you plopped in name your fa- you know Kevin Cash or name your favorite analytic manager who's good in there those these last eight years that you would have gotten the results uh, without Tito. I think he's just that good. I do. Look, he's popular with the guys. They he, they rally around him. There's there there is something about the connection that he has with his players. I mean, heck, he's the AL Central version of Juwan Howard. I mean, you watched uh, him, him him coach for Michigan basketball yesterday, and the guy they they are playing for him. They love him, and this is a program that he took over for Beeline, and he's made it even better. So, I think there is something about um, you know Tito being in that in that clubhouse and in that dugout, and what guys are pressing how he can kind of take him under his wing. And I know that with social distancing and mass, it's a little bit different now, but, um, you know, no offense to Sandy, but Terry Francona is a Hall of Famer. And to have him there is is hugely important, especially this year, because everybody's picking the Indians to finish third or fourth. I still think with this rotation and with Jose Ramirez and with, I think, the addition of Eddie Rosario, I think this team can be dangerous. And a lot of it, too, is Terry Francona. You know, you got a three-game series, and it's going to be intense. Baldelli's done a good job with Minnesota. He has. But I'll take Tito, man. I will when it comes down to some of these things. And uh, we'll see how Larusa does with the White Sox and everything else. But um, there is something to some of the magic wands that, that Terry uh, weaves and waves sometimes that, that helps his baseball team out. And he stays here. I mean, uh, fans are disillusioned. Uh, Joe Dolan's cheap. We haven't even heard from Paul. You know, he's in silence. But when you know you got Tito at the helm, that tells you something about the franchise. Yeah. Um, I, I worry about his health. I feel like he's the type of guy that, like, he just he, he's, he wants to go until he, like, dies in the dugout. You know what I mean? It's like like your guy, James Arthur Bayheim. <laughs> Except. Tito's still got it going, unlike Bayon. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, I hope he has, you know, his health is good enough where he can continue and, and things go well this season. Um, you know, Sandy Alomar is a terrific human being and a great ambassador for the Indians. And uh, I just, we've talked about this before, I just, his in-game stuff at, at points last year drove me absolutely insane um so i and and uh, i will say this though uh i'm hoping that uh tito learned last year while he was off about not bunting so much so let's 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 see if that that sticks oh, although then again can we wait on that till, can we wait on that till the season starts say it again I said, if Billy Hamilton makes the team, we'll probably see one again. I want to talk about that, uh, Billy Hamilton, uh, in a second. But first, uh, you're going to tell us about the Center for Advanced Dentistry and Dr. Ben Hornstein. They are a a fantastic uh, sponsor of this show, great subscriber. And uh, Dr. Ben's ready. I know he is for baseball season. Speaking of of him, let, let uh, let me read you a little something from the Center for Advanced Dentistry family. This is big news. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't. But over the past 20 years, Dr. Ben has been mentoring several up-and-coming students who've shown a great interest in making private practice dentistry their career, their future career. But over the past seven years, he has really had the pleasure of following the development and career path of one individual in particular, and that is Dr. Sean Slessel. 
is with great joy and honor to announce here on the pod that Dr. Schlessel will be joining the team Whoa. in an effort to expand and grow the practice at the Center for Advanced Dentistry. This is true. Dr. Dr. Schlessel is a Cleveland native, attended the Ohio State University for his undergrad for his undergrad studies, and after graduating from the University of Tennessee Dental School, he joined one of Nashville's most recognized cos- cosmetic and general dental practices. That's where he learned to perfect his craft, and now he's back in Cleveland and has joined forces with the Center for Advanced Dentistry. How about that? More versatility, versatility. You can't. That's fantastic. Listen, uh, Mom met him last week, and he said, "Oh, I, you're, I know you. You're Todd and Matt, Mom." So there you go. (laughs) True story. story. Oh man, we are. uh, You know, I. I think when you go under to get some dental surgery, Dr. Ben pipes in uh, the Dairy Brothers Tribecast on a continuous loop. So uh, I'm kidding, of course. But seriously, now you got uh, some young blood in Dr. Sean Schlessel, so you can check him out. Also check out Dr. Ben and uh, Sandy and the rest of the crew over there at CFAD.net or follow them at CFAD Beachwood on on Twitter and give them a call. At 216-595-1710. Again, they're on the east side on Orange Place. Uh, check them out. CFAD.net. You'll see uh, the smiling face of the great Dr. Ben Hornstein and his new partner, Dr. Sean Schlessel, right there on that website. So check them out. And tell them that the Dairy Brothers sent you. I don't know if that'll get you anything, but you can tell them anyways. Oh, I think that uh, that'll get people... Uh... Many, many places. Dairy Brothers Tribecast, Matt and Todd uh, with you at waitingfornextyear.com. Thank you for listening and uh, joining us today. Todd mentioned before um, the uh, the read there that, yes, the Indians have added some depth to the outfield, uh, including uh, one Billy Hamilton, who I believe, if you look at the advanced numbers, was the single worst batter in all of baseball last year. He's like beyond beyond below league average as a hitter. Uh, but he's on the team. Uh, ben Gamble, the former Milwaukee Brewer, the long-haired dude that uh, has always been a platoon bat, left-handed hitter, is also a non-roster invitee. But it kind of begs the question, what what is this outfield outside of Eddie Rosario and I think Oscar Mercado and probably Jordan Luplo going to look like this year? Todd, i got to be honest, if Billy Hamilton's on the team, that's a problem. He can run. There's no faster guy on the bases, but he just he can't get on base. It's like he just can't. So I, I have a hard time thinking he's going to make the team. I, my only worry about Billy Hamilton is, you know Tito loved the Shields. <laughs> and this is essentially left-handed the Shields with a little more speed and a, uh, a, a you know similar type glove. I, I just... <sighs> I don't want him on this team either. No, he sucks. It, but this spring, let's say Oscar looks totally lost again this spring. And and we, we, we don't even talk about Bradley Zimmer because at this point, you know, it's put up or shut up time for him. Um, but Bradley Zimmer still has options. Mercado still, these guys all still have options for the most part. You know, you're pretty much locked into, every, you know, every single day Eddie Rosario is going to be out there. And you know that against left-handed uh, starting pitching, Jordan Lublo is going to be in the other corner. I I know that one way or another, 
Josh Naylor is going to start somewhere. We don't know if that's first base or as the platoon partner. He shouldn't be a platoon partner. He should be an everyday player. But you never know how that might shake out uh, in the outfield. I don't understand. I mean, I, I guess I understand you want numbers. You're looking for maybe lightning in a battle with a veteran. And, you know, it costs you nothing to take a look at Ben Gamble, who's never been good, and uh, uh, Billy Hamilton, whose best days are far behind him. And the Indians chased him for years, and now they finally have him. I still think that your best move is Daniel Johnson as a platoon partner with, with Lupo. But I just have this sneaking feeling that they're going to screw him. What I do think you're going to potentially see is uh, Ahmed Rosario get some run potentially in center field this spring if Mercado continues to struggle or looks bad. I know they want Oscar Mercado to be in center, but there there is a there's a spot for Ahmed Rosario to be the center fielder. Now, I, do I think that he that's going to happen? No, I think they're going to start him in short and manipulate Andre Jimenez's service time and keep him in in columbus for april but wouldn't you i know you believe this don't you think the best version of the indians is with uh, uh ahmed rosario being a super utility slash potential center field uh outfield option and jimenez as your shortstop i mean I'm a, I'm a jimenez fan there's a reason why the mets gave up on rosario at shortstop middle of last year brought jimenez up and he played shortstop and rosario was like you said a super utility guy which Tito loves uh, the roster is a little bit expanded this year due to the COVID stuff, but you know I, I think there's you know Oscar Mercado had such a good rookie year two years ago and he hit everything and he hit the ball to the ballpark and he made some spectacular plays in the outfield and you're right he was just absolutely lost last year. So which Mercado are we getting? Because to me the Indians will be at their best if he's in center every day against righties and lefties and he's back playing the way he played. In 2019, what does that leave? Where does that leave Jimenez? You're right. Maybe he starts the year at AAA, at short, and Rosario's playing short. But again, you got to have a good defender up the middle at shortstop. You want a good glove there too. So we'll see. We'll see. I maybe all these guys in right field are terrible, and 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 you know I think everybody's like, oh, Luplo's a lock. Is he a lock? I mean, I, I guess. But yes, come on, absolutely. Yes. But but you know. I, I'm interested in seeing Daniel Johnson. I think that's the big one there is that you got to at some point see what you have in terms of some of these young pieces. You traded Jan Gomes away. Uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez is now gone. All you've got left from that deal is Daniel Johnson. Play him. Give him a shot. He got no shot last year. Yeah, he limited at bats, but then that was it. So he should get every opportunity to play. Maybe it's lightning in a bottle. Maybe it's a bat that... We never thought we'd have, and then boom, that lengthens your lineup. So I think he's got to be out there. I'm with you. Um, you know, we didn't even discuss Jake Bowers, but I think Jake Bowers is more for first base, not for the outfield. Uh, I know you and I have talked about him in the past, and I'm not a huge fan. Uh, but he's going to get some shots out there, too. I think they're just going to kind of have to go with whoever is, you know, whoever looks the best in the spring. I. You know what? I still the, the Bradley Zimmer thing is very interesting to me too. He's twenty eight. <laughs> He's twenty eight. Yeah, they yeah. they they kept the wrong first round pick outfielder when they traded Clint Frazier, um, and they kept Zimmer. So oh, Frazier's gonna be Frazier's gonna be playing every day for the Yankees. Right. I was just gonna say what's interesting is 
the, the Yankees finally decided to give him the uh, left field job, but then they went out and gave Brett Gardner two years again. So it's kind of like now he's going to be looking over his shoulder. Uh, not that we need to go into Yankee talk, but Bradley Zimmer has not been a regular. Talking Yankees? Uh, but talk about the New York Yankees. Uh, we get Jonah. Uh, we get Jonah Falcon on the show. Talk about Johnny Damon. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with Johnny? Johnny Damon is a bad guy. What is wrong with that guy? I know you don't watch Below Deck. I do on Bravo. Show's awesome, by the way. Shout out to Andy Cohen and Captain Lee. Uh, anyways, TG TG Andy Cohen. Yeah. As as yes t- yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Johnny Damon and his wife have appeared on the show twice. And if for those who don't know, the show basically is a luxury chartered boat. And it's rich people who charter these yachts and what goes on, whatever. So, and it, it's based around the staff and the captain of the boat. But the bit players are always the charter guests. And Johnny Damon and his wife have been on twice. And they are out of control. Drunks. Just, I mean, I mean, they, they are out of control people. This last season, they were on two seasons ago that I watched with Captain Sandy. And they were like maniacs. And when I saw that he got arrested this week for, and his wife, uh, for, for, I think he got arrested for DUI and his wife attacked the police officer. Yeah, yeah. I, I tweeted it out. I said, anyone who's seen him on Below Deck knows that this gotcha. is completely plausible. He's out of control. And he needs some help. Anyways, back to Bradley Zimmer. You know, he has really not been a regular player since 2017. I mean, 2018, he got a shot. He played 34 games in 2018 before he got hurt. He played nine games in 2019, and last year he had a cup of coffee, 37 at-bats. You know, uh, I mean, you don't know. Remember, we were so excited by the power and the speed. And, you know, if he could only cut down his strikeouts, well, that never really happened. So, the diving, the diving catch he made, it was at a Saturday night game at Comerica Park. Carrasco was pitching, and... Zimmer made a diving catch in left center field against the unnamed team, and it was sick. I mean, just a great play. But, uh, no, all right, we got to wrap up. So we, we can talk about on the next podcast, we'll get into Roberto Perez losing 25 pounds because he looks great. But we got to do it too. We got to wrap up this show with an ode to Cody Allen. I mean, people. You know, you know, Tito ran him into the ground for the last few years of his career, but man, so many big saves. Um, so many you know, opportunities and big spots where Cody delivered. Such a great guy. All-time saves leader. And now retiring at 32. His arm just wouldn't cooperate anymore. He lost all his velocity. But he announced his retirement. What a great guy. And what a legend, man. Number 37. I, I love Cody Allen. We'll love him forever. He and Andrew Miller, what they did in 2016 playoffs, and, and especially in the World Series, can can never be understated in my opinion. The guy was absolute nails from the time he showed up here in 2012. You know, he was the either the first or second draft pick for the entire draft that he was drafted in to reach the majors. And he was a 20, 23rd round draft pick. Is that correct? Yeah, something like that. It's like 20, I think it's something like 23rd. He was so friggin' good. And he just, I, I loved him. I really did. From t- Literally, from 2013 to 2017 was his peak. And he just, he, he threw, you know, around 70 innings every single year. His strikeout numbers were always good. His walk numbers were always low. And he always seemed to get the job done. You know, we in Cleveland were so used to 
after the 1995 season of domination by Jose Mesa, we were so used to Joe Borowski, let's put guys on base and then get out of it. Bob Wickman, the king of putting guys on base and then getting out of it. It was one closer after another who you were worried about. And then when Cody Allen was finally given the reins, um, in 2013 he wasn't closing, but it was 2014 when he really became the guy. And he's just, I love him. He was such a good dude, well-liked in the clubhouse also. I'm sad for him because he never really got to cash out. Um, You know, Andrew Miller, at least by the time Andrew Miller became a dominant reliever, he got you know, three years from the from uh, the Yankees, which turned out to be, you know, you look now, and I think he got three for 27, maybe. Yeah. And that was, like, basically the contract that Brian Shaw ended up getting, and now, you know, not great relievers get, but, he, and then he got a second big contract from the Cardinals. Cody Allen never got that big payday. His big payday was coming after, you know, he fell apart, un- unfortunately, for him. So, uh, you know, to me, one of my all-time favorite Indians. I'll, I'll love him forever, and God bless him. I hope he does wonderful things in his in his uh, retirement. But uh, you know, listen, I'm sitting here saying, oh, he didn't make a lot of money. I, I just looked it up. He made 32 million over his career. But you know, it, it could have been a lot more if he could have just. You know, I just think that he was ridden so hard during that time. And listen, that's what Tito does. Tito rides those relievers hard, and. You know, he, he, he burned out before, you know, before he could really cash in. But I love him, and I know you do, too. No question. And uh, what a job. Like you said, 2016, and he got the final out uh, on the Tulowitzki pop-up to uh, win the ALCS and got uh, mobbed at the uh, at home plate. And the World Series, he had to go multiple innings and everything else, and obviously couldn't be out there for the end um, in the late innings. But he, he was great. And... Um, all-time saves leader. That's pretty cool because there were some great closers. And even, you know, go back to Doug Jones and all these guys. There's some pretty good, pretty darn good closers with this organization. And uh, Cody deserves a lot of love, that's for sure. All right, that'll do it for uh, this installment. We're 46 minutes in, buddy. Of, uh, yeah, yeah, all right, all right. Listen, that was, that was a lot of fun. We could probably keep going for another 46 minutes. Well, we'll be doing more of these as spring training keeps going, and uh, we'll see Todd at the uh, home opener. I'll be at the season opener. I, I wonder how I – maybe I can get into the ballpark down there at uh, Comerica. Why, why don't you flash your uh, Dairy Brothers Tribecast badge and see how far that gets you? <laughs> Do I have a badge? I gotta... Do we have badges? <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> That's right. Kid got one of these, but uh, that'll do it for the uh, Dairy Brothers. Where do you go? Hold on. Let me do one more thing. Yeah. I just want to wish you the best of luck this evening. Oh, thank you. That's all. Big gas. Big Q's game tonight. Uh, battle for the bubble, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us. Matt and Todd at WaitingForNextYear.com. Thanks to our subscribers, of course, Center for Advanced Dentistry, and also... Uh, BreakingTea.com. Go to get the, get the T-shirts, BreakingTea.com slash dairy. Any of the shirts that you want to buy, Tribe Stuff, Browns, Cavs. Uh, Cavs are playing good. And um, uh, put, in the, put in the promo code TRIBECAST10, and you'll get 10% off. All right, Todd, uh, we'll do it again uh, soon. Sounds good, buddy. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? 
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.